Hi, everybody. I'm very excited to be doing this podcast today. And the reason that I was prompted to do it is because I had three calls in a row from therapists who were starting out and they were stuck when it came to naming their private practice. And this is something I've been doing for close to 40 years, as you know. So I thought that if I recorded a podcast on it, I could reach more people with my uh, opinions and ideas about naming a private practice. For starters, I know how important it is to name an entity an entity because it's it's usually something like when you name a baby it's going to stick with you for the rest of your life and you want it to be the right name and you want it to be a good name and so people tend to spend a lot of time thinking about it deciding redeciding changing the name and things like that so from a very practical point of view i just want to go over some pointers for starters I firmly believe this, that you should try to have a business name that is separate from your personal name. And why is that? Because it's very important for the overwhelming majority of you to establish a business identity that exists separately from your your personal identity. If you're listening and you know you, you just want to be a solo practitioner, never hire any therapist, just practice on your own, then it's actually fine to use your personal name. Otherwise, if you think even if you're not sure, but you think it's possible that you will be hiring others in the future, very good idea to come up with a different name for many reasons. And I use the example of Martha Stewart to prove my point. And some of you may not be old enough or may not remember this, but there was a a time a good number of years ago where Martha Stewart got in trouble with the law and she was uh, not only arrested for insider trading, but she also was sent to jail. While, While she was in jail, her company tanked on the stock market and actually never really recovered. And a lot was written about it. And one of the main things that everyone said is that one of the problems was, is that Martha Stewart's business was not able to be separated from her personally. So because the name of her company was Martha Stewart, when she tanked, so too did her company. So that's a very specific example. And I'm not suggesting that you'll get in trouble with the law. And that's why you should have a name that exists separately from your personal identity, but it's always a good idea. The other reason why, um, if you have a private practice, like if I named my private practice, Iris Kimberg Physical Therapy, you could be sure that every single patient walking in will want to be treated by Iris Kimberg. And why wouldn't they be? My name is on the practice. My name is on the door. So you assume, oh, I only want to be treated by Iris Kimberg. So you're almost setting yourself up for having the problem of getting your patients to want to be treated by others in your practice. So I always say, and again, this is only if you think that at times you're going to be hiring other people to let other therapists shine in your practice. So that's someone walking in your door will not be upset if they're not treated by Iris Kimberg and it's perfectly okay if they're treated by James Brown or 
whomever it is, because you set it up from the start that you're not the only star in your practice. So that's one thing for the majority of you. Come up with a name that's separate from your personal name. The second thing that I find that sometimes therapists do is that they come up with a name that's self-limiting. And you may not realize it's self-limiting, but for example, if the name of your practice is going to be Physical Therapy Services of Lower Manhattan, that's fine. And there's nothing wrong with it as long as you're staying in Lower Manhattan. However, what happens if you're your practice is becoming successful and now you want to branch to another part of New York City or you want to go to Brooklyn, or you want to go to the Upper East Side, or you want to go to New Jersey. All of a sudden, your name loses its credibility because it's going to be very hard to market physical therapy services of Lower Manhattan and have the practice have a second location in New Jersey. So too, sometimes I see therapists limit their practice like occupational therapy services for hand rehabilitation. Don't name your practice that if you want to do something beyond hand rehabilitation, or if you want the option of doing something yourself beyond hand rehabilitation, because again, the name will become very limited. So from the start, while I think it's important to have a name that's fairly specific, you don't want it to be that specific that it may actually hinder you as you move forward. The third thing is, is that when you're naming a practice or you're naming your company, you not only have to look at it from a legal point of view, and I'll talk about that in a second, you also have to look at it from a domain point of view. So Oftentimes, I've had therapists who come to me and they say, well, I want to name my practice Evolve Physical Therapy or Leaps and Bounds Occupational Therapy. But then when they go online, they find that that name has already been taken. So the last thing you want to do is have a legal name that's called one thing, but then have to have a domain name that's terribly different because it's not available. So you really have to do things simultaneously. And I almost recommend the reverse. That first, you look up to see if the name is available as a domain name, and then you work on it from a legal point of view. Now, there are some times that your domain name and your domain presence can be a little different than your legal name, and that's okay. And you could use it for marketing purposes. But for sure, you want it to be as close as you possibly can so that there's no confusion. I mean, one thing about a name, I mean, you have to realize that your name is probably one of your your strongest marketing tools. So in marketing, marketing 101 is you never want to confuse the consumer or the the marketplace that you're your target market. So your name has to be clear and there can't be any confusion. So if I go back to my example, and this, this happens Fairly often, a therapist will say, oh, I really love the name Evolve Physical Therapy. And I say, oh, okay. Have you ever Googled Evolve Physical Therapy? And if you do, and this is the truth, the last time I Googled Evolve Physical Therapy, there were 20,000 hits. 
that could be very confusing to the consumer. And you also have to realize that if somebody else has the name, that you may not be legally allowed to use the name because it's already taken. So you have to do your research. You have to, you know, there are times that you may name your practice something and you may not trademark your name or you may not service mark your name, which means that it could be available to others. But you have to realize that if, if there's a practice in your neck of the woods that's already called leaps and bounds occupational therapy, what would be the point of naming your practice that name? Because it could really confuse the consumer. And a parent looking for leaps and bounds occupational therapy may look online, come to the first one and not realize that you're the second one and may end up going to them by accident. They may actually be looking for you, but get confused and go to somebody else. So while it's becoming increasingly more difficult to come up with a unique name, because there are so many practices across the country, I mean, even changing a name slightly, like if you like leaps and bounds, which seems to be a very popular name in pediatrics, even if you put a New York in front of it, that's going to make a big difference so that at least people won't go to the leaps and bounds that's in California, or that's in Ohio. So those are things that you have to uh, also think about. The other thing that you have to do, uh, let, let me say one other thing about domain names. And I always suggest this to therapists. When you go to register a, do a domain name, and I'll stick with my example of uh, leaps and bounds occupational therapy services of New York. Okay. So I go and I say, all right, I'm going to register that name and it's available. Great. Okay. I am going to make the investment and register leaps and bounds occupational therapy services of New York.com, .net, .org, and .ot. Why am I going to pay for four domain names? A, it's not expensive, but B, I want to make sure that nobody else can get the name. So I'm already trying to make it less confusing for the consumer. Because if I only bought one, if I only bought .com I, or I only bought .org, that means that the others would be available. And that means that somebody else could come along and decide that that's what they want as their name. Not a good idea. And even if you have to send what's called the cease and desist letter, you know, who wants to get involved in anything like that if you could avoid it? So I think it's well worth the investment to capture all four domain names. That doesn't mean you're going to use all four, but you're putting the rest off for safekeeping for the sole purpose that nobody else will get the name. The other thing, and here's where therapists also run into trouble, is that when you decide what name you'd like or what name you think you would like, and let's say you've checked it out and it's still available as a domain name, so that's good. The next thing that you have to do is find out in your state, and this is very state specific, what are the legal requirements for the name? And different states have different requirements. Like for example, if I talk about my home state, which is New York, if I wanted to form a uh, professional corporation or a 
Professional Limited Liability Company, a PLLC, which are two of the common legal uh, structures that we have, I would have to include in my name physical therapy. So if I wanted to be uh, Evolve, I just could not be Evolve.com. I would have to be Evolve Physical Therapy or Evolve Physical Therapy, PLLC. Not all states require that you have the words, the, the name of the kind of therapy you're offering in their name, but some states do. And the last thing that you want to do is send in the paperwork to get approved and then get denied and find out that that's the reason why you were denied. Other states, and my state is also one of these states that has this too, is that there's certain words you're not allowed to use in the name. And basically, they have these rules in, in effect because they don't want you to, quote unquote, mislead the public. So you can't, in most states, use the word like expert. So you could not have a therapy practice that's called expert speech therapy services of Ohio because they would tell you that you're misleading the public by calling yourself an expert. You can't have words like world famous or the best because you can't, it's, it can be misleading to the public. So what I typically suggest to therapists when they're doing their research on names is, you know, first of all, I tell them, you know, go right to Google and see, see what the names are that are out there. So that it gives you some ideas. If you really like a name, then you could think, okay, what can I do to change the name a little bit to make it my own? That may mean adding your state. It may mean adding your town. But again, don't add your town if you think you're going to open up in other towns. Like, again, if I pick on my neck of the woods, New York, if I wanted to think, well, maybe I'm going to, you know, go into a couple of parts of New York. I could call myself occupational therapy services of the greater New York area. So then, then I'm already opening myself up. Or I could say of the tri-state area, or depending on where you're located, maybe the Twin City area. So, you know, if I named a town, if I said uh, occupational therapy services of Montclair, New Jersey, well, chances are I'm just going to be working in Montclair, New Jersey. And that's fine if that's what you want. But so first you're going to look at names, then you're going to see how you could tweak it to make it a little bit unique to yourself. Then you're going to leave Google and go over to your state licensing end where you're going to have to submit paperwork. And this could be, you know, again, this is very state specific. It could be, uh, especially if you're going to become a corporate entity, if you're going to become an unincorporated entity like a DBA, there are a few less rules. But if you're going to become a corporate entity, on most of the websites will be listed words you cannot include in the names. So you might as well do that research all beforehand so that then you could put this little piece of the puzzle together and have a name that will be legally approved and have a name that you could capture as a domain name. Beyond that, I think that names should be very understandable, memorable if you can. 
I'm a big fan of initials. And I like initials because they could roll off the tongue because people tend to remember initials. And if you look at big companies, you could say a lot of big companies that are successful have initials. It doesn't mean that the initials don't stand for something, but they, they use initials like AT&T, like IBM. And, you know, from my own personal experience, when I had my entity, you know, I started out, you know, from scratch, a tiny company, just me, myself, and I, and I called it Home Therapist Association. So obviously that name is pretty self-limiting, Home Therapist. And I was doing therapy at home. So that was fine. But then when I started to get bigger, Home Therapist Association never, you know, didn't adequately describe what I was doing any longer because I was then offering work in schools and in facilities and things like that. So I shortened the name to HTA. And the minute that I did that, all of a sudden people, I had new credibility and it sounded like I had been around for 20 years, even though I had been around for closer to two years, but the initials alone just made it sound like a very reputable firm. So, you know, while the formal name of the company was still Home Therapist Association, my marketing name became HTA. And then eventually I changed the name legally to HTA. And the truth of the matter is, there's nothing wrong with changing your name over time. So you may start out one way. And then over time, as you grow, you make it a marketing event and you can say, I'm happy to announce that starting in 2022, we're going to be known as whatever your new name is. And a lot of therapists I know have done that, especially when they grow beyond what they thought they would grow or they're serving different geographic areas. You know, I mean, I, I know practices that start with America in their name because they have full intentions of expanding across the country. So they think big from the start. Not everybody does. And some therapists think small and then, you know, grow big despite themselves. The other thing that I want to mention when I talk about a business name is that no name is perfect. No one, I mean, sometimes you hit it and you love the name of your practice. Occasionally I run across a practice and I say, you know, you picked a really great name. But do not worry if you don't love your name, but you're getting the name because it fits all the legal requirements. You could get it on, uh, get the domain name registered because equally as important as a name is your tagline. So 10 years ago, most practices didn't even have a tagline. Now, just about everybody does. And if you don't have one, you should get one. So don't only be thinking about naming your practice, but also think about what tagline I could use. And the nice thing about a tagline is, is that, and a tagline, just in case you don't know, is that three to four word sentence that's usually under the name of a company. So for example, I'll, I'll use the example of Nike. Nike came up with the tagline, just do it. That tagline they created 40 years ago. And by the way, they also created their logo, the Swish, 40 years ago. That's how good it is, that it could last 40 years and still be as relevant. And I use that as an example. I could use another example, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, which Kentucky Fried Chicken is the name, but we also know the initials, KFC. 
uh, tagline. I think it's still in existence. You know, the nice thing about taglines is that you could change them, but it's finger looking good. So it's finger looking good or just do it. What's nice about them? Taglines are descriptions. So you think of a tagline as a way to further describe your company that you may not be able to fit in in the company name. So for those therapists, and I know a lot of you do this, you, you tend to make a name very wordy because you want to get more information in about what your company is, what it does, and things like that. But don't worry, you don't have to make it the name that big as long as you have a tagline underneath. So the tagline, if you think, again, just do it. Finger licking good. These are action words that are used. They help to describe the company. And again, they could become as memorable as the name. Like for Nike, I mean, Nike uses just do it almost as often as they use their logo and the name of the company. So I like to think of a tagline as a motivator to action. So for the, your consumer looking at your company name, the tagline is what's going to make them call your company. The tagline is going to move them to action. The tagline is going to be the way that you could convey to them what else you're doing. So sometimes people, you know, it doesn't have to be a fancy tagline. Sometimes it really is just an additional descriptor where you could say, you know, some taglines could be as simple as serving the Ulster and Hudson County areas. So that, again, you're giving people additional information. Many, many companies stick with their name, but change their tagline over time as they grow and expand. And I think that's very important, too. And I will tell you that, you know, uh, if you get stuck looking for a, a name and a tagline, I do have anybody, please feel free to email me at iris at nytherapyguide.com. I've got a great link to a website that is just devoted to healthcare taglines. And I, um, I can give you a few examples, but... If you go on this website, you'll, you'll see some good ones. The treatment you need, the care you deserve. So now picture the name of your company, Evolve Physical Therapy of Greater New York. And then underneath that, the treatment you need, the care you deserve. My favorite tagline of all time, it still is in the therapy world, we see what others don't. I mean... If that doesn't describe us as therapists, so picture the name of your company and picture a tagline like that underneath it. A pediatric practice had a name and then their tagline was big care for small packages. Another one, a commitment to community. Another one, a family of therapists for your, ther for your family. Uh, a hospital in New York had a tagline, amazing things are happening here. That was a very successful tagline for them. Anyway, these are just some examples. And again, if you email me, I'll be happy to, uh, to share the link with you. Okay, so that about sums it up for the business name. I, I often help therapists come up with business names. So I don't mind if, you, if you're listening and you're stuck between two names. 
shoot me an email and I promise you, I'll give you my honest feedback about which name I like better. And speaking of which, my final tip on this is ask people. The best way to really know if you have a good name is to run it by a few people and see what they think. And you have to go beyond your family who may not be honest with you. Because sometimes you think that a name means something to you, but it may not mean that to the person who's hearing the name. And again, if I go back to my original company, which was called Home Therapist Association. Well, when I first started out, the very first call I got was from someone who actually thought I was doing therapy on a home and like I was an interior decorator. And that was devastating to me. Like I was waiting for my phone to ring. And when it finally did, it was the call for the totally wrong service. And I started to think, gee, was my name the, the worst name that it's not clear? But this is, and I didn't ask for feedback, but this is where you get feedback. You know, what is it, you know, what do people think of the name? How easy is it to say? How easy is it to uh, to say on the telephone? How easy is it to remember? What do they like about it? What they don't? And this this way you could tweak the name, you know, in part based on what other people think. Okay. Anyway, thanks for listening and talk to some of you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>